topic, and it's a much-needed topic, because, uh, first of all, preaching is misunderstood. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, you stop work and go to preaching. Roy J. Lanier wrote that it's a great insult to preachers for some people to think that just anyone can be a gospel preacher. There are a lot of people who cannot preach the gospel of Christ. It is a special work. It takes special people to do that work. Now, what's the importance about preaching? Well, the gospel is to be carried throughout all the world. The pure seed of the gospel is to be planted in the hearts of good men and women, boys and girls, who will respond and become a New Testament church and uh, Christians through God's grace. God has given evangelists a very important role uh, in carrying the gospel to the lost. And today, many doors are being opened to the preaching of the truth throughout the world. And we need men who will go to Russia and China and many other places to carry the pure gospel. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In Second Timothy 4, 2, Preach the word. But they must not allow their life, their work, to be nullified by an ungodly life. Paul said, Let no man despise thy youth, Timothy, but be thou an example of the believers in love, in manner of life, in faith, in word, and in purity, 1 Timothy 4.12. Preaching the gospel and preachers have a special place in my heart. My dad is a gospel preacher many years, over 50 years, and of course he trained me uh, along with others to be a gospel preacher, and I have tried to train other people to preach the gospel too. Brother Bowles says that the critical nature, the faithfulness of a preacher is very critical. No member of the congregation has greater influence over the congregation than the preacher. Brother Bowles went on to say that even the preacher has more influence in the congregation very often than the elders. He says if this influence is good, then all is well. But if the influence is bad, is evil, woe be to that church. Some preachers in the New Testament went bad. And, of course, we could include Judas, one of the original twelve, who went bad. Demas, who turned back. Hymenaeus and Philetus, doing much more harm than good to the cause of Christ. All of us are flesh and blood, even preachers. We are human, but sometimes I think a little more so than others. We are subject to temptations just like everyone else. The word ethics means custom or manner or habit, and it's translated that way in several places in the Bible. It could designate contextually usage prescribed by law, institute, prescription, or right. Thus, one can understand the definition given by the New American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language. The study of the general nature of morals and of the specific moral choices to be made by the individual in his relationship with others. The philosophy of morals. Now, the very existence of morals and an ethical standard proves the existence of God. We have an absolute ethical standard, and that is the Word of God. And this demands the existence of God. Brother Warren proved this in his great and timely debates. God's command for the preacher, then, is the command for every other Christian, and that is that we are to deny ungodliness 
and worldly lusts and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, the effect of our sermons depend upon two things. Number one, what our words say. But the second effect of the preacher's sermon depends on who that person is, his personality. And if the congregation realizes that he is, is genuine and he is in earnest and he deeply believes what he says and he loves the people, then he's going to have a tremendous influence over them. But if they feel that he is preaching and he, he is pompous and he is egotistical and he's, or he's melancholy or he's soft in the gospel, then it's going to hurt him and hurt those to whom he speaks. Much depends then upon a preacher's character. In no other profession is personality so important. Are not the preachers who have done the most for you those whom you thought were the best people in this world or among the best, and though they loved you, and you realize that they did? In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul did not get into the pulpit to preach himself or human philosophy, but he preached Jesus Christ as Lord. Let us notice some proper motivations for preaching the gospel. First of all, a preacher must be characterized by scriptural motives. J.W. McGarvey condemned in a chapel talk in 1910 and 11, just uh, condemned preaching just to fill an appointment, or just to practice for one's life work, or to just to have an easy time, you know, not have to work, or to get rich, or to be popular. But he urged upon the students the same desire that the Apostle Paul had in preaching, to realize, but thou... O oh, man of God, 1 Timothy 6, 11. We must realize that we do not belong to ourselves. We are God's men, and we are to do His bidding. That is our task, to do what God wants us to do. J.W. Garvey wrote further, The foundation of this training must pre-exist in an ardent desire to become a preacher, not for the ease and respectability Already, let's see, I'm skipping a page here, I believe, which may be attained by it, but for the good of being and the glory of God. A young man who begins to prepare for the ministry with only half a heart is not likely to become more than a half a preacher. He must undertake it from one, a deep sense of duty, and number two, a longing for the salvation of mankind. E.A. Elam said that the greatest consideration of life is the salvation of one's soul. The most fearful consideration of one's life is the loss of a soul. Now, as a gospel preacher, I must remember that I must save my soul through God's grace, and I must help as many other people to save their souls as I possibly can. He went on to say, 1 Timothy 4.16, quoting Paul, Paul said that he could not be saved without trying to save others. Any motive in preaching that does not include saving others to the glory of God is wrong, he pointed out. 
But if we desire to do the will of God, then we try to help as many other people to do it as we can, and we live it in our lives, then we will save both them that hear us and we ourselves. Moses Lord said that the first emphasis needs to be on enlightenment. First of all, we must be enlightened ourselves, and secondly, we must enlighten those with whom we speak. He said your failure to do this will be failure. Fatal. Neglect here is the greatest ruining sin of the age. In attempting to please men rather than God, Barton W. Stone spoke about this and its great danger thus. Some are tempted to please men by ostentatious show of learning and talents. This is to preach self, not the Lord Jesus. It is to advance self, not the cause of Christ. It is to seek the applause of the world, not to save souls from ruin. It is to try to be popular, but not to be useful. Vain, presumptuous mortal, how despicable in the view of heaven. And so, to preach for flattery, or to preach to please people, or to preach to become very popular, is not the reason why we should preach. In the second place, we are to be diligent in preaching. Diligent and steadfast. Brother McGarvey asked the question, why do you expect to make preaching your life work? What is that for? Is it in order that you may have an easy time in life? In that case, you are a lazy fellow. And as soon as you get into the work, and the people find out that you are in that work just to have an easy time, they will not ask you to come and preach for them anymore. And that was great advice for the people who were his students in the College of the Bible. Regarding the preaching of the gospel, Paul told Timothy, Be diligent in these things. Give thyself wholly to them, and that thy progress may be manifest unto all. Roy Lanier said, The work of an evangelist ought not to be a hiding place for lazy men. And I think it is on occasion. I think that we have some preachers. Most preachers are not like that. But I think at times we do have those who are lazy. Brother McCard wrote that a lazy preacher is a thief. Brother McGarvey says that a part of edu edu the education of a preacher should be that he is to be taught to be diligent and to work hard and to work for every member of the congregation, reach the community, and even the little children. Then the preacher is to have a Christian attitude in preaching. He should have a humble, loving spirit. You can't be sound in the faith without being sound in spirit. Soundness is not meanness. Our Lord said, or Paul said, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. My friends, when we stand fast in the faith, and we do all things in charity, as he says in verse 14, that means that this will rule out bitterness, and strife, and harshness, and meanness, as we see, unfortunately, at times. We need to realize that it is sin to be mean. 
in a prophet uh, prophecy of Isaiah, he talked about the lion laying down with the lamb and the little child putting its hand on the, the hole of a snake. Now, my friends, what he's talking about and describing is the condition in the New Testament church. There would be those who would have the dispositions of lions and snakes and wolves and various kinds of mean, vicious beasts. But the gospel would so change them until they would be joining into the kingdom with those who have a meek and mild and humble spirit. That's what the gospel does. Now, if I'm mean and I'm vicious and I'm ugly, then I'm just thinking that I'm a member, faithful member of the church. I really am not. And then in addition to that, we find that we can miss the real message of the gospel. It has been said, and I have seen, and you have too, that you can take a magnifying glass and you can hold a piece of paper or a leaf under it, and those rays from the sun can go through that magnifying glass and burn the leaf or burn the paper. But when it does so, you will notice that the lens, the magnifying glass, does not get hot. And the same thing is possible when we preach the gospel of Christ. It is that the gospel may go through us to the people with whom we're talking, but not change us personally. And this is a worry that we should have or a concern that we should have. Someone has said being a religious technician is a spiritual hazard for a preacher, a minister. When he attends a worship service, he has a notebook where his heart should be. And even in his private prayer, a homiletical self looks over his shoulder, watching for thoughts and phrases for the Sunday service. His Bible is a working tool to be read with one eye out for likely texts. His daily devotional reading easily becomes more appraisal than appreciation. Sunday is a day of work. It is hard to see a rose as a poet when you are studying for a botany exam. It is hard to take the kingdom of heaven as a little child if you are schooled in ancient heresies, modern structure, and the manipulations of ecclesiastics. A geologist may be less awed by the Grand Canyon than are most visitors. And, of course, he's right on that. And then he stated further, the minister has the problem with familiarity. He gets so used to sacred things that he may scarcely notice them. His failure is not as a hypocrite. He doesn't intend to be hypocritical about it. Who lives contrary to his pretensions? but of the professional who lives alongside them. His religious reactions are conditioned reflexes so that no, no longer, that no longer require thought or will. It is quite possible to handle the truth of God in a way that will be helpful for other people without being aware of it oneself. Repetition may make a minister lose his sensitivity. And so you and I as gospel preachers must not, never, never study the Bible without applying the Spirit and the message to ourselves first. Brother Stone warned, in vain we attempt 
to excuse me, preach in the Spirit unless we have the Spirit and experience the force of that truth we deliver to others. A man may preach the truth in the letter without the Spirit. Such preaching is vain, useless to saint and sinner. And so, my friends, I must have as a gospel preacher the right attitude, the attitude of compassion, humility, and integrity of heart. And I must pray regularly for that, and I must ask God for wisdom. But then, in addition to that, I must have integrity in preaching. We are to judge righteous judgment, John 7:24. We are to deal fairly. We are to be people of integrity. Preaching can survive countless errors, honest errors, Willard L. Perry said, but it cannot stand in sincerity. Bachelor Baxter wrote of the necessity of demonstrating or exemplifying the type of life which he, the preacher, would have others to attain. It must be said said here that the power to save is in the gospel, not in the preacher. No matter how pleasing and persuasive his pleading is, but one's prejudice, one's dishonesty, or one's meanness, bitterness of spirit, and perversity of life, and meanness of heart can neutralize whatever truth he preaches. And so we need to be honest in our preaching. We are called upon to maintain integrity and honesty and study, and not to play to our audience. Integrity of character means that we speak straight with our neighbor. We speak truth with our neighbor. It forbids flattering our neighbor. It forbids scratching, itching ears of the brethren. And then the preacher is to use integrity with the Word of God. Brother McCord made a good statement. When a preacher has lost his conviction about the relevancy of the restoration plea or biblical inerrancy, and he cannot conti- he continues to preach, he is not a man of integrity. In other words, he lo- no longer believes the Bible. He doesn't believe that you can know the Bible and obey it, but yet he keeps attempting to preach. My friends, he's not a man of integrity. When he cannot continue to stand fast in one spirit, with all minds striving together for the faith of the gospel, He is not being fair with his hearers, and he is taking money under false pretenses. Honesty demands that he quit preaching. And then preachers should not be jealous of each other. Preacher jealousy. It is envious. It is strife. It impedes the spread of the word of good men. Brother J. Roy Vaughan wrote, The greatest preachers are those who live humbly and preach Christ and not themselves. Such a man may not even know he is a big man in the church, but the church knows, and best of all, God knows. And then later on he said, the moment that a person finds out he is a big man, he immediately becomes a small man. And then in addition to that, the preacher is to pay the game fair. Brother H. Leo Bow said. He said that we should not quote a person out of context. We should not quote a per- just a part of a sentence and bear false witness against a brother or carry gossip. My friends, we can cripple people and we can do it quickly. Make sure that you know what you're saying and what you're doing 
and do not misrepresent anyone, and I know that you won't deliberately. Let's not do that. Brother Bowles said, men in the legal or medical profession often have a higher code of ethics and honor than a, and a greater respect for other members of their profession than do Christians and preachers of the gospel. Indeed, not only do false charges and slanderous reports do injustice to those attacked, but something of goodwill toward the whole ministry, the ministry as a whole, is lost. Now, this does not mean that we're not to contend earnestly for the faith. Brother Baxter said this, Let us not condemn a good, clean fight for principles. Now, honest fight, but a good, clean fight. There are times when the safety of the church demands it. Times when grievous wolves enter into not you, among you, not sparing the flock. Times when from among your own selves men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. In such cases, every loyal servant of God must fight for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. God's Christian servants must fight for sound doctrine, fight for humble Christian living, fight for the faith and practice revealed in the New Testament. But yet we are to fight fair. In addition to that, we are to have moral purity in our preaching, in our life, and in our preaching careers. We are to be pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8. That was not written just to other people. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul said, I buffet my body and bring it under subjection. In 1 Timothy, we are to think upon those things that are pure, and we are to be pure. 